Welcome to Living Well with Dr. Peg. With your host, psychologist Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark and co-host Debbie Nash, Living Well with Dr. Peg explores a variety of mental health, wellness, and safety topics. Brought to you by SSI Guardian, Living Well with Dr. Peg shares effective and practical psychological strategies based on biblical principles for living well. To learn more about the show or Dr. Peg's mental health consulting and publishing services, visit drpegradio.com. And now, here's your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Hello, listeners. I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, here with my co-host, Debbie Nash, and we're excited to be here with you today for Living Well with Dr. Peg. Living Well with Dr. Peg is brought to you by SSI Guardian, our sponsor, SSI Guardian has set the new standard in advanced safety education by providing evidence-based advanced training and solutions to learning institutions and faith-based and professional organizations. On the Living Well with Dr. Peg show, my co-host Debbie Nash and I will explore mental health, wellness, and safety topics and share effective, practical, psychological strategies based on biblical principles to help you live well. Debbie, I'm blessed to have you co-hosting with me. Are you living well today? Dr. Pegg, I am living well. (laughs) It's great to be here. All right, excellent. Well, before I introduce our guest for today's episode of Living Well with Dr. Pegg, let me set up our topic for today. Last month in a state civil trial, Cinemark was found not responsible regarding the Aurora theater shooting where 12 people were killed and 70 wounded in the July 20th, 2012 massacre. And as you may remember, the killer was sentenced in a criminal trial last year to 12 consecutive life terms without the possibility of parole, plus another 3,318 years in prison. And according to the Denver Post, the questions that were posed to the jury were whether Cinemark should have known about the risk of a mass shooting And number two, whether the theater had failed to protect the patrons. Well, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security released a memo two months before the shooting that warned that movie theaters could be targets for terrorist attacks. But the jury did not hear that information. So given our current environment where mass shootings seem to be taking place more frequently than ever before, the question was, should the theater have known that patrons were at risk for an active shooter? And if they did know... Did they fail to protect them? Well, to help us explore these questions and much more, it's my honor to introduce our guest on today's show. She's Colorado State Representative Rhonda Fields of Aurora's House District 42, Arapahoe County, and she's also currently running for State Senate District 29. Representative Fields, welcome to the program. Thank you so very much for having me and having me add to this topic in this dialogue. Well, we're blessed to have you here today and as our state representative, so thank you so much. You're welcome. Well, unfortunately, Representative Fields, I know you're all too familiar with violence, having lost your son, Javad, and his fiancée, Vivian Wolf, under violent and very tragic circumstances. So I'm sure you can certainly relate to the pain and the loss that's been experienced by the victims and the families involved in the Aurora Theater shooting. That's so true. Um the theater shooting happened within my house district. Mm. So it's like six blocks away from where I live. And that's where I take my grandkids to the theater. That's our home theater. So I was really shaken by the sense of violence that was committed at that theater. Yes, absolutely. And um, as a result of some of the experiences that you've had in, in terms of loss and, and the, the murder of your son and his fiancée, is that what got you first interested in becoming a public servant? Absolutely. It was after the death of losing Javad and Vivian that spurred my journey into um, public service because I didn't want to have another mother have to bury their child I wanted to do something to address gun violence. Mm-hmm. So it was almost an inspiration. Um, it was a calling for me to do something to curb gun violence in our community. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure so many listeners who've gone through tragic loss and even those who may be listening who were involved in the Aurora Theater shooting who survived or lost loved ones um, can appreciate those sentiments of 
um, from something very painful right. um, occurring to you, that being an inspiration, a calling um, to, to do great things. Yeah, and, and when I come across crime victims, I, I try to let them know that you can't fast-forward grief. It's mm. not anything you can push a button and say, it's over, you spent too much time dwelling in the grief and the sorrow, because everyone's different. And so we all have to heal at our own pace. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And Mm -hmm. Deb, you've worked with so many uh, wounded people. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you say more about that? And I just can only appreciate that. And I think sometimes as believers, we tend to think that God is this antidote that just says, oh, we won't have grief. We won't have Mm -hmm. despair. We've had these huge tragedies. But what do we do with that as as believers and and non-believers as well? But as believers in particular, what does the word say about that? Mm -hmm. And sometimes that dichotomy can even bring some confusion. I appreciate, Representative Fields, what you just said. Everybody's grieving period is going to be different for each person. I don't believe we can put a timeline on that. We may grieve until our last breath in this mm-hmm. earth, Absolutely. and then the relief we get is in the next life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so often people feel, you know, how could a loving God uh, allow, allow it. these types of mm-hmm. things to happen? But mm-hmm. we, I always tell people we always have to remember we live in a fallen world. That's exactly. And there's sin, there's violence, That's there's right. hatred, and we unfortunately are often the victims of that. Um, but when we think about all of the times that uh, through God's grace and mercy that we're yeah. spared from some of the things that could befall us, we still mm-hmm. have to praise him even in the midst of those tragic circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I can remember after losing my son, the first thing I did was question God. Mm. And I questioned why me, God, because I felt like I was doing all the right things, being a faithful member in my church, tithing and doing all the right things, and then this tragedy happened. So I questioned God, mm. and then I got this revelation, like, why not me? You mm. know, um, because like you had just said, I mean, there's sin and there's tragedy all around us. So bad things do happen to good people, and I mm-hmm. think it's up to us to determine, are we going to let those circumstances define our journey moving forward? It took me a while to get there. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want to be defined by the tragedy. I wanted to be able to stand on that so I can continue to be um, a witness Hmm. for my God and Mm -hmm. my Savior. Amen. And can you talk more about that healing process for you, that journey um, that, as Debbie said, it does it ever really end? Does it end? And we Mm -hmm. we encounter Mm -hmm. things going forward, even beyond the initial, you know, trauma or or wounding, things still keep on happening. And so right. what's, that, what's that journey been like for you? For me, I can tell you I am a peace still at work. You know, God is not done with me yet, so I struggle every single day with the loss of my son. It's kind of a very deep loss. When I lost my son at 22 years old, um, at this point I, I will never see him get married. I will never see him get his first job. I won't have any grandchildren. So when I think about the deepness of that loss and the trauma that's associated with losing a son, it's unbearable. And the only way I was able to to propel myself out of it was really my faith. And it was my church family that kept me lifted and they kept me lifted in prayer. And it wasn't just my church family. It was a whole community because when they saw this tragedy unfold, When you see my son who had just graduated from Colorado State University, he had on his graduation cap and he was like at the start of his life with his fiance. That could have been anyone else's child. Hmm. And I was robbed of his future. And um, my church family would not let me sink into deep depression. So everyone, I believe, needs to be connected to a church because it was my church firm. We made sure I had food to eat and they kept calling me and lifting me up and giving me little assignments to do to um, punch holes into the darkness I was feeling at that time. Mm-hmm. Well, and we could do a whole show and, and will in the future on depression and grieving and how do you how do you come through that? And so you're, you've got that firsthand experience and thank God for those people who c- came around you and alongside of you and kind of lifted you up and prayed you prayed you through. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Well, we've got so much to talk about still in terms of the Aurora Theater tragedy and just hearing your story, Representative Fields, and hearing um, how you, you've experienced grief and pain and loss and still move through that. Um, we know there are so many survivors and so many of the families of those who were lost who are still struggling with that, and perhaps they were hoping to get some kind of closure with this civil trial. And so we're going to continue talking about uh, some of the issues related to the trial, not only to better understand it, but also to kind of ask, the, ask and answer the questions, okay, uh, given this is the verdict, so what? Now what? What do we do? How do we protect ourselves? And so that's what we're going to be exploring. Uh, before we go to our, our first break, I want to ask you both, um, Representative Fields, you kind of alluded to it already that the Aurora Theater was in your own backyard. Right. And for me as well, I was teaching at Community College of Aurora at the time. I was a psychology professor teaching summer school. I thought for the very last time before I retired, my kids were graduating high school and I was trying to earn a little extra money to send them off to their freshman year and was teaching this Psych 101 class uh, when I heard the news um, that I woke up that Friday morning and heard what had happened and just my heart ached. Uh, my daughter had a, a friend who was there at the theater with her whole family and thank God they were safe. Amen. But it made me wonder who else was there? Who else was lost? And when I returned mm-hmm. back to class that following Tuesday night, I asked my students, how many of you were there? How many of you knew someone who was there? And every single student in my class raised their hand. They either were there themselves at that cineplex, uh, maybe in the actual theater, but in that cineplex, or they knew someone who was there. And in fact, several current and former students of Community College of Aurora perished Mm -hmm. at the theater that night. And so I just remember feeling just so lost Mm -hmm. and so confused. And um, and just helpless, really, to know that that happened somewhere that, as you said, Representative Fields, I took my children there. We went there. My students went there. Everybody frequented that theater and other theaters. And so um, when we come back from the break, I want to ask you both to kind of reflect on that, of what it was like at the time that you received mm-hmm. the news and even going forward. Uh, for me, it was hard uh, to go into a, any theater the very first time. Mm-hmm. And then I've since been back to um, the theater where the shooting occurred and how difficult it still is all these years mm-hmm. later. And so I want you all to um, to share your your reactions and kind of kind of the what now going forward uh, when we return from the break. Um, we're going to hear from our sponsor, SSI Guardian, during the break. Uh, they've set the new standard in advanced safety education by providing evidence-based advanced training and solutions to learning institutions, as well as faith-based and professional organizations. I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark with my co-host, Debbie Nash. Our guest today is Representative Rhonda Fields. One needs to look no further than today's headlines to understand the threats facing American schools. They remain soft targets for violent threats, and yet our schools go largely underprepared. Our children deserve the highest level of education in the safest learning environment possible. The SSI Guardian QAL, or Quick Action Lockdown, is the fastest and safest way to lock down a classroom. This revolutionary device provides schools with maximum locking protection while meeting all safety, fire, and building codes. Designed by the leading lock experts in the world, the QAL is the only only lock that meets Department of Homeland Security primer recommendations. SSI Guardian QAL now makes classroom lockdowns fast and safe with the red button. As a parent, you have every right to demand that your child is afforded the best classroom protection. Take action today by calling SSI Guardian at 877-878-5800 or go to guardianprotect.com. That's guardianprotect.com. To learn more about living well with Dr. Peg, visit drpegradio.com. And now, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Well, welcome back to the Living Well with Dr. Peg show. I'm psychologist Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and I'm here with my co-host Debbie Nash and our guest, Colorado State Representative Rhonda Fields of Aurora, Colorado. Representative Fields, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me. And we were talking before the break about um, just kind of in the immediate reaction when hearing the news about the Aurora Theater uh, massacre, as I refer to it, um, and just kind of 
emotionally what that's like to know that you've been there with your family, um, people that you know go there on a regular basis. What was that like for you in those um, ensuing you know, days? I had a call from a constituent that works across the street from the theater at the ADT security, and they were on lockdown. Mm. And they called me and told me to turn on the TV, and he explained to me what was happening. I normally don't answer my phone around 11.30 or 12 o'clock at night, but something said answer the phone. And so when I answered the phone, he described what was going on, and for me it was just unbelievable. I could not imagine someone going into a theater where you think that that should be a sacred or safe place, place. Go, mm-hmm. a safe place, mm-hmm. and uh, and could dream up, doing trying to create as much harm as he could. Then he gassed his his apartment, mm-hmm. booby trapping that. I mean, he, he it was really well thought out. Mm-hmm. So um, it just blew me away that someone would calculate and go through committing such a horrific crime in my neighborhood with innocent people who was just there to see a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Deb, how about you? Oh, my goodness. And and uh, Representative Fields, I, my heart is just, just empathizing. I mean, I'm even tearing up hearing about your son, and we just honor him mm-hmm. in this show. We honor your son. Thank you. And we thank you for sharing such a deep place. Just sheer shock. Sheer shock. Because you see evil in the world. Mm-hmm. And, and when you see that kind of evil, and we've seen that kind of evil, but when we see it time and again, the shock is just right there in your face over and over again. The depths of deprivation, the, the depths of, of just total psychotic episode of an individual that lost his humanity and became something other than. To me, it was the purest form of evil operating through a fallen, very broken, mentally ill human mm-hmm. being. And and you raise so many important points that he is still a child of God. <laughs> in, in all of that depravity, he's still a human being. And so, again, we have that kind of balance between being totally um, without words and mm-hmm. in, in utter grief and traumatized by what happened. And then, on the other hand, as we move through healing and 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 figure out how do we pray for our world mm-hmm. and for people mm-hmm. who are vulnerable to that kind of influence mm-hmm. um, it's just these competing emotions and uh, just hearing the emotion in in your voice and Debbie and mm-hmm. representative fields knowing myself as a mother you know the deep pain that a mother must experience with such a tragic loss it just reminds me mm-hmm. of how we experience collectively when there's a trauma and a tragedy like we experienced in Aurora all of us in Aurora and I my address is actually Denver but the Denver metro the Aurora community uh, being a, a professor at Community College of Aurora we feel like it happened to us, to us personally, regardless of Absolutely. where you lived. And I think in the state of Colorado, and you're a state representative running for state Senate, but even around the country, not just those of us in Colorado, we're all traumatized when something like this happens because yes. we can all imagine even though it's a myth to say it could never happen here, we all kind of put ourselves in those shoes mm-hmm. and say it could happen, and it has happened time and time again. I think of, mm-hmm. um, you know, I can do the roll call of these types of tragedies, um, starting with Columbine, which mm-hmm. is synonymous right. with right. school shooting. And I lived in Virginia mm-hmm. at the time that um, Columbine Columbine massacre occurred Mm -hmm. and watching from Virginia, we were glued to the television set. Mm -hmm. Didn't matter that it was happening all the way in Colorado. Um, We can talk about Planned Parenthood in Colorado Springs very Mm -hmm. recently. Uh, We can talk about Sandy Hook in Connecticut. We can talk about Emanuel AME Church in Charleston, South Carolina. And unfortunately, that roll call, that list um, goes on. Mm -hmm. And so we all, whether we live in Aurora or Colorado or not, we all kind of feel connected to this tragedy Mm -hmm. and it's traumatizing to all of us as citizens of, of this country. Representative Fields, um, it's just immeasurable, um, how we, how we experience that. 
Yeah, it's it's almost hard to put words on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know your question also was about the liability that's associated with the theater mm-hmm. and like who's accountable. And, you know, I think we all are accountable for what goes on in our community. Mm-hmm. We all play some role in that. Um, and I think we just all need to be on guard as it relates to if we see something, mm-hmm. we need to say something. Mm-hmm. My son saw a murder mm-hmm. and he cooperated with the police, but because he was going to be a witness, he was shot down because the people did not want him to share his story about mm-hmm. what he saw and what he heard. So we all need to be mindful about if we see anything that's odd around our community, we do need to make sure that we elevate our, our hands and we point out bullyingness, we pull out harassment, yes. anything mm-hmm. that needs our attention. We can't be silent in the presence of evil. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, we always need to make sure that our light is shining. And sometimes that means lending voice in dark places. Mm-hmm. Mm. And the word you used, accountability, not only accountability for our own actions, but accountability, as you said, and, and it's it's um, a mantra that those in the safety industry um espouse is if you see something say something that goes all the way from k-12 as you mentioned bullying all the way up to terrorism if you see uh, something that looks suspicious i was at the airport recently uh, going up the escalator uh, into the terminal from the rental car uh, return area and there was a suitcase a large suitcase sitting at the bottom of the escalator and several people looked at it and just went about their business on up the escalator and didn't seem to be bothered by it. But my husband and I, we saw it and I said, you know what, that doesn't mm-hmm. look right. Why is there a large suitcase sitting right there? And so we got to the top of the escalator and I said, I'm going to let someone know because maybe someone got distracted and had their hands full and went to the bathroom, but maybe not. And mm-hmm. someone needs to know mm-hmm. about this. I felt accountable to say mm-hmm. something, even though many people saw it. Well, it turns out uh, there were people at the top and the bottom of the escalator that owned that suitcase, and they were they had their hands full trying to get their bags up the escalator. So they were pointing and smiling like, that's my suitcase. And I felt relieved, but I also felt a little proud of myself that, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm involved in um, active shooter training and safety education, violence prevention training in my consulting work. And so I felt good to know I practice what I teach, mm-hmm. <laughs> that uh, I teach people, as you said, if you see something, say something. Something, report it to the authorities. If your gut, which we know as believers is the Holy Spirit, if mm-hmm. that little voice tells you something's not act right, we need to act right. on it. And so I felt good that, okay, yeah, I'm practicing what I teach. So accountability is huge there. And I know, Representative Fields, um, you've passed legislation. You're very accountable when it comes to violence prevention and bully, bully. Uh, bullying interventions in schools. So right. can you say more about that? Yeah. Um, you know, what I found out through talking to young people is that people are, young people are using their phones all the time. And sometimes they're using their phones inappropriately mm-hmm. to harass or to bully or to mm-hmm. intimidate. So I passed legislation to address cyber bullying. And then when it comes to gun violence, I address legislation to make sure that we keep Guns out of the hands out of dangerous people by making sure that we have universal background checks. And that's something that polls extremely well all across the nation. It polls over 90 percent that most people believe that you should get a background check before you purchase a new or used gun. And so basically it's just seeing the inequities or the issues around our community that needs to be addressed and then lending voice to them so that we have stronger policies to keep our streets and our communities safer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, in one study of active shooter incidents in the U.S. between 2000 and 2013, the majority of killings took place in commerce locations such as businesses and malls. Mm-hmm. And the second most common location was in K-12 schools and institutions of higher education. And so we're talking about uh, the Cinemark um, civil trial, the verdict concerning the Aurora Theater shooting. Uh, Cinemark was found not responsible concerning the Aurora Theater shooting, meaning they couldn't have known about the risk and therefore couldn't have been uh, couldn't have better protected their patrons. But when we look at statistics that show us the majority of these types of 
events are happening in malls, in business, in mm-hmm. areas of commerce. And unfortunately, sadly, K-12 st- schools, institutions of higher education kind of begs the question. They sh- Maybe they the jury found they weren't responsible, mm-hmm. but shouldn't we all kind of be on notice mm-hmm. um, to be aware, um, to, to be accountable if we see something, say something, to have what uh, we call a mindset of awareness, having our eyes open when we're out and about, when we're at work, when we're at school, mm-hmm. when we're at worship, when we're at play, we don't live in an era anymore That's where correct. we can just go around with our faces in our in our smartphones, right? Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> I see people all the time walking across a street through a parking lot with their face in their Not phone even looking about up. to get mm-hmm. run down as a pedestrian, let mm-hmm. alone driving. Right. And so that same mindset that has our face, you know, glued to our smartphone is a mindset that's going to keep us blind mm-hmm. to being aware of the, the dangers around us. Well, we're going to take another break. And when we come back, I want to talk more about uh, some of the elements of this civil trial verdict that talked about Cinemark not being responsible um, that they, they wouldn't have known and they, they shouldn't have protected uh, their patrons. We'll explore that. I'll be interested to see what your opinions are. I'm here with my co-host Debbie mm-hmm. Nash and Representative Rhonda Fields is my guest. I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and this is Living Well with Dr. Peg. To learn more about Living Well with Dr. Peg, visit drpegradio.com. And now, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Welcome back. This is the Living Well with Dr. Peg show. I'm the, I'm psychologist Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and I'm here with my co-host, Debbie Nash, and our guest, Colorado State Representative Rhonda Fields of Aurora, Colorado. Again, Representative Fields, thank you for being with us today. Thank you. Glad to be here. Great. So, again, we're talking about the civil trial verdict concerning the Aurora Theater shooting, and Cinemark was found not responsible concerning the Aurora Theater shooting, meaning they couldn't have known about the risk and therefore couldn't have been better, excuse me, couldn't have better protected their patrons. But interestingly, in fact, a Homeland Security memo dated September, excuse me, dated May 17, 2012, warned that mass gatherings such as those associated with theaters were likely attractive terrorist targets. But the memo did not specifically warn against active shooter events. Homeland Security therefore recommended that facility owners and operators, security personnel, and first responders remain vigilant and report suspicious activities and behavior that may indicate a potential attack. So we were talking Mm -hmm. before the break about if you see something, say something, being aware But interestingly, of note, the Homeland Security memo did not recommend that the theaters should have armed security. So what are your thoughts about uh, should the theater have known, should the theater have better protected uh, their patrons? Representative Fields, you come out of um, uh, the airline industry. Can you say more about just your experience with um, training and being aware and taking precautions and sure. practicing and that kind of thing. Sure. I worked for United Airlines for 29 years. Wow. And we've seen our whole industry, the airline industry, change after the events of 9-11. Mm-hmm. Um, I started with United at Stapleton Airport where you could just kind of drive up. And, and just go into right. the airport. But now, I remember the good old days. So those things right. are long gone. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important that any business, if you have a business where you're selling tickets and you're inviting the public to come to your um, organization or your business, then you have a responsibility mm-hmm. to make sure that everyone there is safe. And that's why we have uh, regulations regarding these are the exits. Mm-hmm. But we need to make sure that those exits are secure, that people are coming mm-hmm. in and out. Mm-hmm. So I think there is some accountability mm-hmm. to just say, no, we didn't know. I think as a good business owner, you need to make sure that you're doing everything possible right. to keep your customers safe. Mm-hmm. So there's that word accountability again. While they may not have been responsible, and that's what the jury found, for the killings, mm-hmm. there's some accountability to at least have a plan in place, to at least make your patrons aware, here are the exits, in the event of an emergency, here's what you should do. And we see that time and time again every time we fly on an airplane. Right. 
So, in fact, uh, the theater usually did have off-duty or does have off-duty officers on the weekends. And on the night that the gunmen attacked the Aurora Theater, which was a Thursday night, not a weekend, the theater had no armed guards on duty. They also had no security cameras monitoring the backside of the complex, no alarms on its exit doors, and no perimeter patrols in place. And of note, the killer re-entered undetected through an exit door that he had propped open before he began shooting. So while they, there was a quote um, in the Denver Post that the killing was completely, one of the, uh, the theater representatives argued that the, com- the killing was completely unpredictable, unforeseeable, unpreventable, and unstoppable. Um, but in fact, I don't think that's 100% true. There are many precautions, as you said, responsible business owners can take. Yeah, they're not responsible but that the killer came in and massacred those people, uh, and yet there's a, there's a responsibility to do what they are able to do, again, given the mm-hmm. environment that we currently mm-hmm. live in. We also know, as, as psychologists, that there are often identifiable, recognizable signs that indicate that someone is moving on a pathway to violence, if we know what to look for. Um, And so while they may not have been able to know he was going to walk into their theater that night, we do know that there are many people who may have seen signs prior to uh, that fateful night in 2012 that maybe someone could have seen something, could have done something. What are you all's thoughts about that, that, yes, on the one hand, there's no way they could have predicted this man would walk in on that night. However, there are some things that we can all do, business owners, mm-hmm. personal citizens alike, representative fields. You know, and I think you already highlighted them. You know, they could have had cameras on the outside of the building. Um, they could have had security guards. When you think about what's taking place in our schools right now, mm-hmm. the schools are locked down. And if you go into a school, there's one entrance to go in. You have to right. have an ID. You have to sign your name. It's the same in our daycare and our early childhood uh, situations, these centers. These organizations, these businesses are putting together procedures and processes to make sure that we're keeping kids safe or those patrons safe. And I think what you've outlined already, there could have been some preventative measures Mm -hmm. that may have intervened and prevented this um, person from committing the horrendous acts that he did. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, what perplexes me is that he came through that back door. Um, Number one, as a business owner, not to dilute what we're speaking of, but as a business owner, that's a loss leader when you have people coming into a theater for free. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't you have that door so secured that anyone coming into it, you would have notification? So I have been perplexed since it happened. Mm -hmm. How in the world did he get into a back door and not have alarms go off mm-hmm. and not have uh, – it right. just – it boggles my mind. And I'll be honest with you, every time I'm at the movies now, which is not often because there's just not a whole lot of good movies out there <laughs> anymore for Christian folk to see. But when my husband and I go to the movie, first thing I do every single time is I look at that back door mm-hmm. – And I wonder, is someone going to come in through there? And my husband and I have even had the conversation. What do we do if someone comes through that back door or even if someone in the theater decides to go haywire and do something goofy? What do we do? So we've kind of talked about Mm -hmm. what that should be. Excellent. Debbie, you get the gold star. I get the gold star. And so in in the active shooter training that I do and and some of the mental health education and awareness and how do you recognize signs and how do you respond to Mm -hmm. mental health issues? Again, not every violent person is mentally ill. Not every mentally ill person is violent. In fact, mentally ill people are more likely to be the victim of a crime. Mm -hmm. However, we still see uh, some mental uh, health issues being a factor in some of these um, some of these uh, cases. But Debbie, you and mm-hmm. your husband are doing things exactly right. We may feel like we're being paranoid mm-hmm. in today's times and in our environment today to think 
you know, where's the exit? What should I do? But just like we saw preparation on the airplane, it's that same situational awareness, as we call it, that we need to develop that mindset of awareness wherever we go, whether we're at work, at school, at worship, at play. And this means being aware of your environment, being aware of the situation, Mm -hmm. being aware of the people around you. As you said, where are the exits? Uh, What would I do if an active shooter Mm -hmm. entered the building? Um, asking yourself those what-if questions everywhere you go. Uh, and we tend to go frequent the same kinds of places or the same businesses. So have a plan in place for yourself and your family. What would I do if? Mm-hmm. And I want to share mm-hmm. with you uh, the Homeland, Homeland Security identifies uh, several indicators of potential suspicious terrorist activity that I think are relevant um, not only for terrorist activity, but for active shooter and just violence in general in our environments. And they say we should be aware of certain things, such as people in crowded areas wearing clothing that's unusually bulky or atypical for the season, possibly to conceal suicidal suicide explosives or weapons. Mm-hmm. That might be something you wouldn't think about. Is that person, why are they wearing that heavy coat in the middle of the summer? Why does it look bulky on one side? Again, not to be paranoid, not to falsely accuse people, not to be on a witch hunt, but if something strikes you, again, pay attention to your intuition, what we call as believers the Holy Spirit, telling you something's not right. Mm -hmm. If you see something, say something. People asking about theater theater security, uh, uh, screening, uh, theater screening or evacuation procedures, why are they asking? That may be a reasonable question to ask in terms of situational awareness but maybe they're uh, casing the the premises Uh, as i told you about the uh, suitcase at the bottom of the escalator be aware of packages possibly containing explosives that are left unattended in open areas or hidden in trash receptacles lockers or similar containers and finally homeland security recommends that when we see suspicious or illegally parked vehicles near a theater or other business where crowds gather prior to or following performances and events to just have our eyes open to be alert about that. I want to share with you a few other additional indicators of potential violence that we'll talk more about after our break and then talk about, well, what do we do? What, how do we respond to all of this? Some additional indicators that are really important to be aware of in our family members, in our coworkers, or people that we're interacting with. Uh, depression, withdrawal, and suicidal thoughts. Um, when people start putting their affairs in order, um, people are giving away prized possessions, showing signs of depression. And again, we'll do shows on mm-hmm. this topic in the future. That would be something to look for. Again, not every depressed person, not every mentally right, ill person is violent, is violent right. but mm-hmm. we, we do see that sometimes people feel desperate. Mm-hmm. They are suicidal in the past. They may have, and I don't, I don't want to sound crass when I say this, mm-hmm. they may have just in the past killed themselves. But now they take out as many people mm-hmm. as they can, and then they kill themselves. Mm-hmm. So looking for signs of depression and, and suicide might be a, a, an important thing, not only to help a person in distress, but perhaps if they're moving down that path to violence. Um, someone at work who has repeated violations of company policies or they're overreacting to policy changes and procedures, they may be... Um, feeling like they have to uh, retaliate against a policy or procedure perhaps they feel is unfair. So keeping an eye on that. Um, Explosive outbursts of anger or rage without provocation. Um, Any behavior that may suggest that they're paranoid, that they feel everybody's out to get me. Uh, Escalation of domestic problems in the workplace. And I know, Representative Fields, you've uh, looked at that issue in your work as a public servant. Talk of previous incidents or preoccupation with uh, previous incidents of violence. Um, Increased comments about firearms and weapons. And here in Colorado, people are gun enthusiasts and hobbyists, so we don't want to jump to conclusions. But if you're seeing a change from previous um, interest, we're going to look at a, a a whole lot more on this topic. We're talking about the civil trial verdict surrounding the Aurora Theater shooting. I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark here with my co-host, Debbie Nash, and our guest, State Representative Rhonda Fields. We'll hear more from them, their thoughts, and what we can do to protect ourselves when we return from the break. K-R-K-S. 
schools can no longer afford not to invest in a professional evidence-based advanced safety education training program. It's the single most important decision and investment a school administrator will ever make in their professional career. When all else fails, training and preparation are the only things that will increase your chances of survival in a violent incident such as an active shooter or active terrorism. SSI Guardian has set the new standard in advanced safety education by providing evidence-based advanced training programs tailored to your needs. While there are many basic training programs largely based on opinion and emotion, SSI Guardian is the only advanced training program of its type with an accredited continuing education unit or CEU issued by an accredited university. SSI Guardian has set the new standard in advanced safety education by providing evidence-based advanced training and solutions to learning institutions, faith-based and professional organizations. To learn more, call SSI Guardian today at 877-878-5800 or visit guardianprotect.com. To learn more about living well with Dr. Peg, visit drpegradio.com. And now, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and I'm here with my co-host, Debbie Nash. And we are talking with Colorado State Representative Rhonda Fields, Representative Fields, thank you again for sticking with us for the whole hour. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. All right. So we're talking about the recent civil trial verdict surrounding the Aurora Theater shooting. Uh, We were talking before the break about indicators of uh, potential violence, things to be on the lookout for. If you see something, say something. We're not on a witch hunt. We're not out to stereotype or pigeonhole people. But in the current environment that we're living in, we've got to be paying attention uh, if we're seeing um, people who are uh, having a market change in their behavior, is really if I could summarize my long list of things that I talk about in the training that I do on violence prevention, it would really be a market change in behavior. Someone's doing or saying something that shows that they pose a threat, that they're moving on a path towards violence, that perhaps they're suicidal, um, that they're perhaps holding a grudge and they're seeking vengeance. And so just being mindful of keeping your eyes open for those different signs. Deb, when we were uh, during the commercial mm-hmm. break, you were still kind of uh, fired up about as a mm-hmm. business owner yourself, mm-hmm. and, and you are the owner of Dean Ash um, Accounting, Accounting and, and Tax, tax Services. services. Mm-hmm. And so we'll, we'll learn more about mm-hmm. that uh, before we go today. Uh, as a business owner yourself, you were, you're still kind of fired up about the fact that this back door was able to be propped open without any alarms or exactly. anything happening there. Exactly, because it poses in, in, in I, I go both ways with this. Obviously, our topic today is the violence that ensued this um, very mentally ill, and I, I'm just going to say it, evil mm-hmm. person that did this. But as a business owner, I'm just still perplexed that why aren't the theaters trying to one-up <laughs> each other by showing they are the one that's the safe, the safe place to go. You can let your children come here. You can let your young people come here. Families can come here and look at what we've done to secure our our back doors. Look what we've done to secure Mm -hmm. our facility. And if something happens, look how secure we are. And I can't say I have heard that. I'm still perplexed how that back door was so easily accessible Mm -hmm. it makes no sense to me i was just saying on the break back in the day um yes they had movie theaters back when i was a child um but back in the day i remember there was an alarm that would go off because they wanted to make sure you didn't sneak in all your friends into the movies with you and i don't understand why wasn't there an alarm and then the other thing is if i might just add you know on the previews how they have it it almost makes it like a fun little Something when they're saying and report any suspicious characters and they make it all cartoony mm-hmm. and fun. And it, it's almost like I, I can understand they're not they're they're trying not to scare probably especially younger people um, into being paranoid to come to the movies. Mm-hmm. But it's almost like but you have not told me what I am to do should somebody enter into right. your premises and my life is in well, danger. And whose responsibility is that? You know, the, the good and bad news about Cinemark being found not responsible, it means that at least other businesses don't have to be responsible for this random person deciding to target 
their place of business Mm -hmm. to act out some Mm -hmm. kind of grievance or whatever their motive might be. So that's the good news is businesses don't have to worry about that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we all need to worry about our own safety. And if businesses can help create an environment where we at least know what to do, where the exits are, just as they do on the airplanes, as Representative Fields was talking about earlier, at least we're all in a better position. So Representative Fields, given that the, the businesses are not responsible for our safety, what can we do to protect ourselves and our family at work, at school, at worship, at play. What do you do for yourself personally? You're out in the public. You're talking to all Mm -hmm. kinds of people. Um, What can we all do? What do we need to be thinking about? What questions do we need to be asking? We need to be asking all the right questions uh, when we're in settings. We just need to be mindful of the security measures that are in place. So when we're at these theaters, uh, we may find out, uh, do you have monitors we need to just not assume That's a good point. that our safety is going to be managed and taken care of by someone else. So even in our schools, all of our churches, all the places that we think are sanctuaries, we need to make sure that someone is being mindful of the security of everyone that's there. You know, when you think about my Ohio Stadium, um, mm-hmm. going to the Pepsi Center. Mm-hmm. We just need to be asking the question, just making sure that everyone's on top of mm-hmm. the security right. and the safety of these public places mm-hmm. because we are in unique times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, unique, and the key so. really is training and preparedness. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, preparedness. And taking responsibility to get training, taking responsibility to practice and rehearse whatever mm-hmm. training you learn, um, bringing in experts. Law enforcement is always available and willing. Uh, to come into your place of business, into your place of worship, into your school, and and do a walkthrough of your premises and tell you what your vulnerabilities are. Make suggestions of where uh, you might be able to have a safe room, which is what saved lives at Planned Parenthood. They had had training. They had rehearsed. Mm-hmm. They knew their, the answers to the what-if questions. They knew where to go. Uh, we know that the, the, the three... Uh, actions when you're faced and confronted with an active shooter on your premises is first evacuate if you can get out safely. Mm-hmm. If not, hide out. Mm-hmm. Find a place that mm-hmm. you can either be concealed or mm-hmm. take cover, which means that it, you're behind something that would stop a bullet is what cover means. Concealment, obviously, mm-hmm. is if you're not seen, perhaps they'll move on. And finally, if the person does come through your barrier, barricades or barriers where you're hiding out, you take action as aggressively as possible. While you're hiding out, you think through those what-if questions. What if they come through this door? Mm-hmm. What am I going to use as a weapon if I don't happen to have a weapon on me? What can I use as an improvised weapon? Mm-hmm. Most public places have fire extinguishers. You can shoot that fire extinguisher. Mm-hmm. When it runs out, it's a pretty heavy hunk of metal that you can, <laughs> mm-hmm. that you can swing. So these are very unpleasant, uncomfortable things to think about. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness, how would I defend myself if I have to take action? Uh, but if you don't think about these things in advance, you might be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You are vulnerable. And so the key is training and preparation, uh, rehearsing, thinking through those what-if questions. Again, representing fields just like they do on the airplane. That's right. <laughs> the, mm-hmm. the flight attendants, mm-hmm. their, their safety is their first priority, and they train on a regular basis. They remind us on a regular basis what we need to do. Uh, so training, training, training. I want to um, give a shout out to our show's sponsor, SSI Guardian, who set the new standard in advanced safety education by providing evidence-based advanced training and solutions. So there's a lot of people out there claiming to do training, but you have to do your homework and make sure that you're getting training appropriate for your environment, whether it's K-12 an institution of higher mm-hmm. education, a place of business, a place of worship, uh, or other public place. Get the appropriate training with qualified, uh, certified individuals mm-hmm. who know what they're talking about. So we've got we've talked about a lot of things here today. Mm-hmm. Um, I really thank you all for um, being here. My co-host Debbie Nash and Colorado State Representative Rhonda Fields. Um, Representative Fields, we know you're running for state senate. Yes. Um, you just finished your legislative session, um, but that, you're not on vacation just because the mm-hmm. session's over. No, you? Things no, are really I'm just still gearing accountable up. Huh? For all of my constituents in House District 42. Okay. And so basically what that means, it means town hall meetings, it means coffee chats, it means knocking on my neighbor's doors, finding out what their concerns are, what their worries are, what issues they want me to bring forth the next legislative session. And basically what I'm hearing is um, affordable housing. Mm. 
You know, people are telling me that they're feeling like they're getting out price. The rent is going up and mm-hmm. people aren't having enough time mm-hmm. to respond to it. Um, quality education is an is issue as it relates to how we're um, educating our kids either for college or for career. And then selection cycle. I mean, there's so much going on that you hear in the media that people are a little anxious. Mm-hmm. They're frustrated about the whole process. Mm-hmm. And it's unsettling. So the summer is going to be very interesting for all of us as we mm-hmm. see yes. the election unfold. Yes, uh-huh. and so as you're uh, highlighting some of the issues that are important to you, uh, we can see the connection between those issues that are important to you and possible, if they're not resolved well, how people can become frustrated, as okay. you said, anxieties uh, as we're outside in, in the summertime and, and tempers are flaring and, and there's conflicts and frustrations and people who are not um, having the resources that they need and deserve, um, how we can see how someone, we talked earlier about signs of potential violence, right. that someone's moving mm-hmm. on that pathway, might be desperation and hopelessness mm-hmm. and helplessness. Mm-hmm. And so as you're working, uh, serving the, the public and the citizens of Colorado, what you're doing is really has some broad-reaching um, implications right. for the topic mm-hmm. that we're talking about. It's all interconnected, isn't it? It really is, because when people are desperate, they do desperate mm-hmm. things. Right. And um, and then you see them acting out their behavior in sometimes an inappropriate way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's why we have to be mindful of the mental health behavioral signs, because I think many of us could be first responders. Mm-hmm. When you think about the homelessness people I see on COFAX, they're in trauma. Mm-hmm. And Mm -hmm. so we need to be mindful of that Mm -hmm. and making sure that we're redirecting and getting people the resources or the help that they need. Right. And we actually refer to uh, we as citizens as immediate responders. We're not trained professional first responders, EMS and firefighters, but we can and often are immediate responders. And Mm -hmm. uh, many people are trained in CPR, but you're more likely to encounter someone having a mental health crisis than you would someone having a heart attack. And yet we don't have the appropriate mental health and crisis Mm -hmm. intervention training that we all need. Well, uh, we could go on with this topic, and we certainly mm-hmm. will explore aspects of this topic in future uh, programs. But I want to thank you so much, Representative Colorado State Representative Rhonda Fields, for being here and sharing your opinion, sharing your heart, sharing your, your, your vision and your passion for the citizens of Colorado. My pleasure. And thank you to my co-host, Debbie Nash. I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and this is Living Well with Dr. Peg. Brought to you by SSI Guardian, who set the new standard in safety education by providing evidence-based advanced training and solutions to learning institutions and faith-based and professional organizations. If you'd like to learn more about the show, our sponsor, or my mental health, wellness, and safety consulting and publishing services, visit drpegradio.com and join us every Saturday at 1 p.m. on 94.7 KRKS. Fully acquire li- Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Living Well with Dr. Pegg. Living Well with Dr. Pegg is brought to you by SSI Guardian, who has set the new standard in advanced safety education. If you'd like to learn more about the show, our sponsor, or mental health consulting and publishing services, visit www.drpegradio.com. Remember to join us every Saturday at 1 p.m. on 94.7 KRKS-FM for Living Well with Dr. Pegg.